I am so very pleased to bring back a great friend of LifeSite News. His name is Steve Mosher. You know him very well. He's the founder of Population Research Institute. He is the author of a new book out called The Politically Incorrect Guide to Pandemics. That's what we're going to talk about, but you also know him as a great expert in China. He's the one who first made people aware the now proven thesis about the lab-created virus we now know as COVID-19. Stay tuned to The John Henry Weston Show. Steve, welcome back to the program. Well, it's good to be with you again, John Henry, and to talk about this very important topic, why we've lived through the last two, two and a half years of uh, pandemic purgatory, or some would say hell. Hell. Well, let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. So, uh, Steve Mosher, to me, you are a hero for having delved into this. I mean, long time ago, you did the whole one-child policy in China, exposing that for what it is because of the many Chinese languages that you know. You have an access like none other, and you were given that special access back in the day by the President of the United States in conjunction with the Chinese president at the time. So you've got an incredible background that I encourage people to go to lifesitenews.com to check out. But you've now written a new book about Yes, it's the very politically incorrect um, guide to pandemics. Tell us, what's the thesis of that? Well, the thesis of the book is, um, at one level, it's that China is the great breeding ground of pandemics. And what I mean by that is the uh, Chinese Communist Party, after taking power in 1949, has consistently, time after time after time, covered up epidemics within its own borders until they spread and became pandemics around the world. People may, listening may think, wait a minute, they've only done that with the coronavirus over the last two years. No, uh, they did it in 1958 with the Asian flu. It didn't come from some anonymous country in Asia. It came from the Southwest province of Guizhou. It was a true zoonosis. That is, it, it passed from an animal to human beings, created an epidemic in China, which then spread because China hid it from the World Health Authorities. They hid the fact from the world that there was a dangerous epidemic spreading in China until it became a pandemic. And only years later did we trace it back to China. That was the first pandemic spread by the Chinese Communist Party, which runs a great breeding ground for pandemic. Second came in 1967-68 with the so-called Hong Kong flu. Now, the Hong Kong flu didn't come from Hong Kong. The people in Hong Kong were actually incensed to find that their name had been attached to this epidemic because they knew quite well that an epidemic was raging across the border in mainland China. Tens of thousands of people were dying. And what did the Communist Party do? They covered up the epidemic once again. They didn't alert the world's population. They didn't tell the World Health Organization that there was a dangerous epidemic brewing in China until it became a pandemic, a killing a million people. Today, that would be the equivalent of, of, of three million deaths. And then in 2002, 2003, same thing happened. A snake seller 
in the southern Chinese province of Guangdong, where they actually buy and sell snakes and eat them, uh, became ill with a snake coronavirus, not a bat coronavirus, a snake coronavirus. He died fairly quickly, but not before infecting many, many others. Thousands of people were dying in China. Did China tell the world? Did the Communist Party uh, tell the world, the World Health Organization, that it had a dangerous uh, epidemic, a dangerous new virus, snake coronavirus on the loose? No, they hid it. They silenced whistleblowers. They doctored the data. It was only because the Canadians, John Henry, the Canadian Intelligence Service picked up wire transmissions that showed that there was a new epidemic in South China that was killing thousands and thousands of people that we began to put pressure six months after the breakout on the Chinese government to come clean. They finally admitted, yes, we have a new epidemic in China. By then it had begun to spread around the world, by the way. But what did they say then? In 2003, they said, yes, a foreign agent released a bioweapon on China. That's where it came from. Does that sound familiar? Because that's exactly the playbook that they followed in 2019. When the epidemic began in Wuhan, and we can talk about how that happened, China doctored the data. They said no human-to-human -human transmission. There's nothing to worry about. They lied to the World Health Organization. First, they covered it up. Then they got Dr. Tedros Cabrisas, the head of the World Health Organization, to go to Beijing, where he promptly parroted everything that the Chinese Communist Party was saying about the virus. It's not very deadly, no human-to-human -human transmission, uh, all of the rest. And then, um, of course, later, when it turned out that all of those things were false, um, they turned around and blamed the United States for releasing a bioweapon in China, just as they had done in 2003. So one way to look at uh, the politically incorrect guide to pandemics, which is a history of pandemics going back to the plague of Athens 200 years before the birth of Christ and the Antonine plague and the bubonic plague of the Middle Ages and so forth, the Spanish flu, is to, to see China as the great breeding ground of pandemics. We should have been ready for this. We should have remembered what happened in 58 and 68 and 2003. These are serial liars about a lot of things, not least about epidemics. The only thing different about what happened in 2020 with the coronavirus that we've all lived through for the last two years is that was genetically engineered in the lab and it was deliberately released around the world. Amazing. Okay, so one of the first questions that crops up with all of this is, what's their end game and has their end game changed so when this was going on in the 50s and 60s and then in the 2000s was it a different agenda than what's going on here it seems like maybe it was about saving face but when you're releasing it yourself purposefully you're creating it and releasing it that sounds like another agenda altogether what do you make of that well, it, 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 it does, and, and my point in bringing up the pattern here is to say we should always be very, very wary of things coming from China. Just as Taiwan was at the outbreak of the coronavirus pandemic, they were the first ones to shut down flights from China to the island of Taiwan. Why? Because the island of Taiwan knows that nothing good comes from across the Taiwan Straits in China. And so when they had news of an epidemic, brewing in Wuhan, they began to test arriving passengers for 36 different viruses. And when the test came back negative, they said, 
the Taiwan CDC said, this must be something new. And they shut down flights immediately. Trump shut down flights three days later on January 29th of 2020. And you remember what the Chinese Communist Party said, which was the same thing that President Biden said, that it was racist and xenophobic and, and uh, you know, barbaric to shut down flights from China to the rest of the world. Um, Fauci, of course, was interested in covering up, covering up his connection to the creation of the coronavirus and the Wuhan Institute of Virology. We can talk about that in a minute. China was interested in spreading the virus around the world, um, and it didn't want a, a shutdown in flights from the United States, uh, China to the United States to interfere with that prospect. You know, people ask me, was it, uh, did it leak from the lab or was it deliberately released? And the answer is both. The answer is that it did leak from the lab during vaccine trials. They had the virus already genetically engineered to be more infectious, and they were working on a vaccine in 2019. And during vaccine trials, and remember in China, they don't use the mRNA vaccines. They rejected the mRNA vaccines, and they used an attenuated vaccine, which is just a weakened form of the virus, so weak that it is not supposed to actually allow you to become ill with the disease caused by the original virus. But I believe that during vaccine trials in the fall of 2019, the virus actually escaped into the population at large. So there's your escape, not really a lab leak, but an escape during vaccine trials. And then, and then the Chinese Communist Party did what it always does. It allowed the virus, the pandemic to spread throughout the world. It, they remember they stopped flights from Wuhan, the epicenter of the epidemic in China. They stopped flights from Wuhan to Beijing and Shanghai and Guangzhou and other Chinese cities, but they allowed flights to go to Milan and uh, New York City and Madrid, Spain, all early hotspots of the coronavirus pandemic. So both and, it was from the lab, it leaked from the lab, got out of the lab during vaccine trials, but then it was deliberately spread around the world. And that's that's how it happened. That's the story I tell in uh, the pandemic's book. Yeah, and if I recall correctly, it was right at the time of the Chinese New Year, so you had massive uh, visiting uh, outside of China. Absolutely. I mean, this is the largest uh, human migration on the planet. Two hundred million Chinese travel within China back to their native places, but millions upon millions go overseas, and of course, they were being used by the Chinese Communist Party as uh, innocent human disease vectors to carry the disease to places like Milan and Madrid and, and New York City and Los Angeles. And I'm not blaming the Chinese people. They're the first and foremost victims of the Chinese Communist Party in this instance, as in every instance. But you can see the party's behavior because they were doing the same thing in 2020 that they did in 2003 and 1968 and 1958, allowing it to become a pandemic and killing millions and millions of people. Now, one of the things you've talked about before um, and uh, you talk about in the book as well is about the goal of China with regard to the spreading of the virus and lay that out first, if you will. Well, you know, I have to mention Dr. Anthony Fauci here because he enabled uh, the Chinese uh, PLA, bioweapons experts, 
to really make a, a generational advance in their ability. And just to, before we continue, PLA is People's Liberation Army, right? The People's Liberation Army has a bioweapons program. It's had a bioweapons program since the 1950s. So this is a, a program to create biological weapons uh, that kill people. And it's uh, decades, decades and decades of research. But in the early years of this century, Dr. Anthony Fauci allowed gain-of-function research, the ability to genetically engineer uh, viruses to make them more infectious and deadly, uh, taught Chinese scientists how to do that and actually helped to fund their efforts in the Wuhan lab and other places. Now, now I have to believe uh, that Dr. Anthony Fauci may have been motivated by a noble desire to expand the frontiers of human knowledge. Let's leave it at that for now. I mean, who knows what's going on in his mind? But the Chinese People's Liberation Army bioweapons expert couldn't believe their luck. Here you had the leading American virologist, the expert in gain-of-function research to make viruses more infectious and deadly, teaching them how to do exactly that and actually helping to pay for the research. And they weren't interested in advancing the frontiers of human knowledge. They didn't have noble purposes in mind. They were interested in creating a bioweapon. And we gave them the ability to do just that. The coronavirus is a bioweapon. It's what we call an unrestricted bioweapon. It has fairly low lethality, but it is highly infectious. And it has plausible deniability. So you can release it in the world. It, it caused, of course, the coronavirus caused millions of deaths and tens of trillions of dollars in economic damage. But you can stand back and say, oh, we had nothing to do with it. And then we, when you're finally accused of having cooked it up in your own lab uh, in the Wuhan Institute of Virology, you then turn around and say what you said in 2003, that it was a U.S. bioweapon that was released in China during the World Military Games from October 17th through the 24th of 2019. And it's the evil United States that's responsible. The same playbook over and over again. Once again, we should have, we should have seen this coming. What did China gain from this? Well, it gained, I think, uh, a step or two on the free world. It in, improved its standing in the world and weakened its principal competitor, uh, the United States of America. It weakened us by closing down millions of businesses, never to reopen. It weakened us by sending us into a recession. Uh, it weakened us by ensuring that a, a friend of China, uh, Vice, former Vice President Joe Biden, was against all odds elected uh, President of the United States. So I think for them, they see it as a win, win, win. Uh, you cripple your principal economic competitor economically, you cause a million deaths, and of course you get someone who's compromised by, uh, by Chinese money into the White House. Um, it worked out very well for them. And because it worked out so well for them, and because no one is calling them to account, I fear that lurking in a lab somewhere, in a test tube somewhere, perhaps in the Wuhan Institute of Virology itself, is another virus, another coronavirus or another virus of another kind that they're going to release at the appropriate time, perhaps you know, in the year before the 2024 elections. We must be ready. 
the only person, John Henry, who wants to call uh, China to account. Uh, we, had, um, we, had, we had President Trump down in Tampa, Florida a few days ago, and among the things he listed as needing to be done was setting up a commission to hold China accountable for releasing the China virus on the world. He's saying it, but where's the rest of his party? Where's the, uh, the you'll never hear that from the Bidens. So there is another half to this story, though, because even though all of that happened, China has its agenda, they were aided and abetted not only by Fauci. Yeah, Fauci had his own agenda, perhaps an economic one for his own benefit or whatever, but he had that agenda. He, he did carry it out. But there was all sorts of moves by the World Economic Forum, by our own governments to shut down the world despite all the evidence. Take us through that, if you will, and then also their agenda. How is that playing in? Yeah, um, uh, our reaction uh, to the coronavirus uh, caused as much damage as the coronavirus itself. And in part, that was, I, I, I say that was a very successful uh, psychological operation run by the Chinese Communist Party. So, so let's, let's go back to January of 2020 and run through that very quickly. In the initial stages, of course, the Chinese Communist Party was saying that it's not very infectious, there's no human-to-human -human transmission, um, you know, it's, it's uh, not something that the world needs to worry about. They were saying that, downplaying that, because they wanted to create a pandemic, and they couldn't do that if the world was alerted to how dangerous it actually was. Once the pandemic was well underway, what happened? Well, then we began to see videos out of China showing people dropping dead in the streets of Wuhan, just toppling over. Uh, we saw pictures of trucks being loaded with body bags. We saw fields of people in body bags, uh, some of which were, some of whom were, were still not so dead that they couldn't smoke a cigarette. There were one or two videos where uh, it was clear that they were just staged. And then China locked down. We all know about the Wuhan lockdowns, 12 million people under lock and key locked in their own apartments, not allowed out on the street. Uh, we all know about 60 million people in the, in the province, surrounding province of Hubei. A couple hundred million people by the end of the day were locked down in China. And then what did China say to the world? China said to the world by, the, by early April, they said, our lockdowns have been a phenomenal success. We have reduced the infection rate down to very low levels. We've reduced the death rate down to very low levels. Look, you can see now, Chinese communist propaganda organs were saying, more people are dying in New York City than are dying in all of China. That was propaganda, of course. It wasn't true. And probably more deaths in China than any other country in the world. I don't doubt that to be the case. But they were blaming the so-called loose uh, political system in the United States for failing to control the epidemic, the way the Communist Party had with its one-party dictatorship controlled, supposedly, the pandemic. And what happened to Dr. Anthony Fauci and Dr. Deborah Burks? They watched wide-eyed. They swallowed this hook, line, and sinker. They went together to President Trump, and they said, China has the answer to the pandemic. They, we must lock down. And later, of course, President Trump, in explaining his actions, said, 
two very smart people came to me and told me that we had no choice but to lock down, otherwise millions of people would die. And, and he did agree to a two-week lockdown. But they immediately set about, we now know from Dr. Deborah Burke's own autobiography, they immediately set about trying to extend it from two weeks to two months to indefinitely to eliminate the virus altogether. They were pursuing the fantasy of COVID zero. You can never completely eliminate a highly infectious airborne respiratory disease, but that's exactly what Burks and Fauci set out to do. Mimicking China. So I say PSYOP, they tricked Fauci and Burks who have no background in, uh, don't understand how communism works, don't understand how the Chinese Communist Party works, don't understand probably to this day how they were misled and deceived by the Chinese Communist Party to inflict pain on the American people and on the American economy. Amazing. Amazing. So where does the whole push from the World Economic Forum fit in? Because this is a, they seem to latch on to this, to encourage this, but also to encourage this as a, as a never ending thing, as a, as a perpetual change to, to get basically to run their agenda. Where does that fit in? Well, John Henry, I think there are a lot of, of, of interlocking agendas here. And I think the World Economic Forum and the Democrat Party and the CDC and Fauci were all um, at trying to advance their own agenda throughout this. The World Economic Forum saw lockdowns as a wonderful mechanism of control to try to move us towards the, uh, the new world in which we would own nothing and, and be happy. Uh, they thought that it would uh, help to train us to be obedient servants of the state if they locked us down in our homes for a few weeks or a few months. Uh, we would, they could turn us uh, into sheep who would uh, dumbly follow their orders from then on. I think you certainly see that behavior on the part of the governors of uh, red states, like Governor Cuomo in New York and, and uh, the governor of New Jersey and governors up in Michigan and California, Governor Newsom, uh, they were eager to lock down. They were eager to declare a pandemic and, and use their emergency powers to lock down churches, to shutter small businesses. And if you look at the pattern of the lockdowns, it's clear that they were targeting these very astute political animals, uh, Governor Newsom and Governor Cuomo, were targeting their political opposition targeting the economic base of their political opposition, small business, uh, working people, um, and uh, of course, people of faith. Absolutely. And one of the things that comes out clearly, if you, if you look at the history of pandemics, and again, this is from the book, you know, the Politically Incorrect Guide to Pandemics, uh, you see that during every pandemic, it was Christians who took the lead in caring for the sick. It was Christians who understood uh, natural immunity and once they got over the plague or once they got over a smallpox, they understood they were immune and they stayed like Catherine of Siena, right? When the city fathers of Siena fled before the Black Death in the Middle Ages, uh, St. Catherine of Siena, what did she do? She stayed, she opened up hospitals. And that's what Christians did down through the ages until this pandemic, when they were locked out of their churches, sometimes by their own pastors, when they were forbidden to gather and even pray for the sick. Uh, so... Uh, different agendas, different agendas. Uh, the Democrat Party, of course, um, targeted its political opposition. And you see that most clearly 
when during the riots, the BLM riots in the summer of 2020, all of a sudden, Dr. Fauci, who'd been warning uh, people to stay in their own bedrooms and not, uh, not have any sort of interaction with their children for fear of spreading COVID, said not a word for weeks on end as tens of thousands of people gathered in the streets of cities like uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota uh, in BLM protests. So clearly he was a uh, political operative uh, wearing a white lab coat. Um, the World Economic Forum, of course, um, saw lockdowns as uh, a means of moving towards total control. And they were absolutely furious with Sweden. Because what did Sweden do? Sweden did nothing. Sweden treated it like a, the seasonal flu. They protected the vulnerable, the people in the rest homes, but they didn't close down their schools. They didn't do social distancing. They didn't do the masking. They allowed businesses to stay open. And the European Union, the World Health Organization, was predicting uh, virtually that every last Swede was going to die because of their reckless response to the pandemic. And guess what? Sweden had better outcomes than almost every other European country. And the children did not get penalized by being locked out of their schools for a year or two in Sweden. They were locked out in neighboring Finland for a year or two, suffered a loss of learning. But guess what? The Swedish kids had no higher rates of infection. They had no high rates of death. Kids, kids generally don't get very sick from COVID, right? They're more likely to die of the seasonal flu than they are from the coronavirus. And get this, teachers in Sweden did not get sick or die at higher rates than in countries where they were locked down. So Sweden went against the tide and proved that the school closures, which I think was one of Fauci's biggest errors, were absolute nonsense. They caused much more damage to kids in terms of learning, in terms of psychological, mental health, uh, than they, they did nothing in terms of public health. So why did Sweden um, go its own way? Well, it didn't really go its own way. The head of the Swedish health department simply followed the plan that had been drawn up 10 years before in dealing with a highly infectious respiratory disease. It was all there in black and white by the World Health Organization, how they were supposed to behave, protect the vulnerable, protect the immune compromised. He had written an article about it himself. And so when the real thing came, he followed the plan. Everybody else ran like lemmings over the cliff following China into lockdowns. Amazing. Speaking of that kind of willingness to do what harms your people, even though you know it's harmful, one of the most disturbing findings that probably has ever been seen is the what's rolling out now from the data of the vaccines which they had and they did anyway to people particularly um you know certain countries which started publishing data and then stopped because the data didn't fit the narrative and that was to me so stunning it's in your book again politically incorrect guide to pandemics you got to go out there and read this. this is a fascinating walk through what we've just experienced but one of the most unbelievable things is governments seeing the results of the vaccines being not only a failure being worse than useless actually <laughs> people who take them do worse and yet forcing it on their people anyway uh, take us through a little bit of that, if you would. 
Well, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci had uh, two obsessions. He was obsessed with the idea of gain-of-function research, the idea to create monster viruses in the lab, create vaccines to protect people against them and prevent the next pandemic. Everybody said, Tony, that's a bad idea because what happens if your Frankenstein virus gets out of the lab before you have a vaccine and you create a viral apocalypse? They shut down his research in the U.S. in 2017. He took it where? He took it to China and other places. He was funding the Wuhan Institute of Virology, I believe, in violation of the prohibition on gain-of-function research, which was instituted in the U.S. That was one obsession. The other obsession was mRNA vaccines. We're going to capture the crown jewels of creation, the human genome, and we're going to make it work for us to create uh, a, 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 a defense against viruses. Now, he's been working on that for 25 years. He's failed every time. It has mRNA vaccines have not worked. Uh, but yet, once again, when the coronavirus came on the scene, he wanted to try to salvage his fixation on mRNA vaccines. And again, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a medical doctor. I did go through a PhD program in biology years ago. I did work with Professor Cavalli Suarez on genetics at Stanford. I did help teach uh, human biology. Uh, so I know a little bit about the subject. And um, the idea that, that, that you're going to, to preempt uh, our normal immune system and force cells, you're, you're gonna create an artificial virus uh, wrapped in a little casing of fat and the body thinks it's food. And you're gonna allow that, that, uh, that to penetrate cells, capture the cellular machinery make tens of millions of spike proteins, which then go throughout the body, causing who's knows, who knows what damage. Um, uh, the evidence is overwhelming that uh, it can migrate to any organ. We don't know how long it takes to clear the body, if ever. And the thing is, the spike protein attaches to the cell, but unlike the virus itself, it doesn't have a furin cleavage site, so it can't go into the cell. So it just stays attached to the surface of the cell. Now, what happens if that cell is in the heart? What happens if it's in an artery? It's the spike protein is simply sticking out, interfering with the normal cellular processes. So um, anyway, uh, there's more and more evidence that this has been a disaster. Now, Big Pharma is very happy. They've made $100 billion uh, selling vaccines over the last year. Uh, now they're hoping to segue to a, a seasonal booster uh, or sell another $100 million in monkeypox vaccines, which I'll pass on. Thank you very much. Um, to deal with monkeypox, all you need to do is tell you know, a, the... the uh, the uh, homosexual population that uh, no one ever died from lack of sex and that you guys should knock it off. And that will stop the monkeypox pandemic. It's not a pandemic, epidemic in its tracks. So um, mRNA vaccines, very bad news. Uh, will there be accountability on that front? I hope so. Dr. Rand Paul, who is also a sitting US Senator from Kentucky has spent the last year and a half trying to get hearings held uh, where he will call Dr. Fauci to account uh, for funding the lab in Wuhan, gain-of-function research, and hopefully also on the vaccine fronts, because I think the evidence is overwhelming. And every time a country, whether it be Israel or Scotland, uh, starts producing evidence showing that the adverse medical consequences from the vaccine are worse than from coronavirus itself, showing that even the elderly uh, receive uh, no benefit from the vaccine, 
showing that those who are vaccinated have higher rates of hospitalization and higher rates of death. Every time sets of data come out like that, they're immediately censored and the health agency in charge usually stops publishing the data. So the cover-up is massive and it's ongoing and, um, and it, 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 must, it must stop. And what is really the way for it to stop? What must we do? I mean, it seems that the powers arrayed against us are, are pretty formidable. The, the Chinese Communist government that looks for world domination, the uh, World Economic Forum, which seems to be wanting to push for their own form of one world government led by the elites. Um, how do we confront this? Well, it starts in November uh, with the November elections. Uh, we have to turn out uh, to the polls in massive numbers massive numbers because we have to overcome the obvious fraud of the ballot box that has been taking place. And we have to elect people who are determined to get to the bottom of these deep state shenanigans, uh, clean up the, the FDC, clean up the CDC. Uh, one of the things that has to happen is the 1993 law that allows government scientists working in government labs with government money to profit from drugs and devices that they invent while spending the taxpayer's dime. That conduit of funds, which is corrupting and which creates a conflict of interest, has to end. Uh, the revolving door between senior F, F, you know, uh, CDC leadership and FDA leadership and big pharma boards of directors, that has to close as well. Um, the, the, the CDC and the FDA have been captured by Big Pharma, and as far as I'm concerned, for the last two and a half years, have been working on behalf of Big Pharma. You've got to clean up big tech as well. Uh, we've got to uh, increase your viewership by a factor of 10 or 100 so that people can hear the truth about what's really going on, John Henry, because they're not getting it from the major media. I write for the secular media but I could not for a year get anything published critical of the vaccines. Why? Because I was told by my editors, we don't want to encourage vaccine hesitancy. And I said, oh no, we, that's exactly what we want to encourage. We want to encourage people to stay as far away from the vaccines as possible, so-called vaccines as possible. But what we didn't know was they were getting hundreds of millions of dollars from government agencies to cleave to the government's party line. So things have been become very one-sided in the United States with all of our institutions leaning left, uh, being captured uh, by the, uh, by the uh, cultural Marxists. And uh, we, have to, we have to use alternative media. We have to take the Congress back. Uh, we have to uh, thank God for the Supreme Court, which is the one institution which seems to be, have survived uh, the leftist takeover. Otherwise, I don't know where we'd be. Amen to that. And I want to thank you, Steve, for this book, a great contribution that many people need to get so that they can get the word out to family and friends. Hugely well-referenced, just unbelievable number of notes at the end for every chapter, tons of references. Go check it out, The Politically Incorrect Guide to Pandemics. You should go to PRI, Population Research Institute, their website to get it, because um, if you go there, Steve, are you going to give them an autographed version of the book if they buy it from you? I, will, I think that I would will be great. sign every book that before it goes out the door. That would be awesome. What's the exact website? The website is pop.org. 
pop.org. POP is short for Population Research Institute. That's pop.org. And it's right there on our homepage. Um, you know, and if you order it from us, that's uh, that's two couple dollars that doesn't go in the pocket of Jeff Bezos. Awesome. Thank you so much, Steve. God bless you. you. God bless you. And God bless all of you. We'll see you next time.